Praise the Lord. Amen. So, that's just to demonstrate what each part of the armor, what it is and why it's important. Why Paul pointed out uh, this point about the armor of God. And he makes it clear that we are not fighting a physical battle, but it is a spiritual one. Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Everybody say the whole armor. He didn't say a part thereof. He didn't say just take the helmet and run out and face the enemy. He didn't say just take on the breastplate and go out and face the day. But he said take on the whole armor of God. For what reason? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In order to put on the whole armor, we must first identify and understand what the armor is. And we've gone through that the helmet of salvation, salvation is hope, is only found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only salvation that we have. For there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. The belt of truth, Jesus is the truth. The breastplate of righteousness, Jesus is the only righteous being in this whole existence and is the only one that makes us righteous. Shield of faith, we must have faith in God. Without it, we cannot interact with him. The word, Jesus himself is the word made flesh. When we break it all down, we soon realize that all the parts of the armor pertain to Jesus. Scripture says to put on Christ. Romans thirteen twelve says, The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day and not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In Galatians, Paul was talking under the context that faith is the key in obtaining a better cov- uh, covenant with God, and that the law of the Old Testament was a schoolmaster that pointed and was directing us to that new and better covenant. Faith is the only prerequisite that we need to be a part of the body of Christ through the new birth, and that we must continue to walk by faith and not by the law. In Romans 13, Paul reminds the church that there is only one higher power in this entire universe, and that power is God. And the powers of this world, whether they be governments, nations, individuals, spirits, only exist by the permission of God, so that we don't have to be fearful, but Paul tells them, give tribute and, cust- and customs and honor to whom it is due. And at the end of the day, we are part of a kingdom that is above all these kingdoms and authorities that we see and walk into. And our salvation is closer than we think. So let us wake up, cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of God. And let us put on Christ and give no place to the flesh. So we see in scripture that this concept of putting on the armor, this concept of putting on 
Christ is very important. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul expounds more on this concept of putting on Christ. He writes it out in a way that his audience could simply understand using figurative language, as we have demonstrated earlier, of what the armor is. You see, spiritual warfare is not a once-a-month once a month event or a yearly one, nor is it taking place every once in a while. Spiritual warfare is taking place every day. It is a daily ongoing battle where the enemy is trying their best to cripple and destroy your soul. So the question is, how do we engage in spiritual warfare and where does it take place? Warfare takes place in the mind. Your mind is what contains your soul. And if the enemy can cripple and destroy your soul, then he has succeeded. If he can prevent your soul from reconciling to Christ, then he is succeeding. If he can prevent your mind from being transformed by the power of Almighty God, even though you're attending church regularly, then he is succeeding. Romans 1 and 2 tells us that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. It's our duty. Why? That we may be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. What is the will of God? That you make it to heaven. Second Corinthians 10 verse 3 says, For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. If our battlegrounds does not have a physical location, where then do we fight back? Well, the answer is found in Ephesians 6 and 18. We fight in prayer. Prayer is important. Not only just communicating with God, but also to fight back against spiritual wickedness. Prayer is where we fight, and the word of God is the only offensive weapon God has given us to fight. Jesus said, it is written. These three words, I believe, are one of the most powerful statements that the enemy is afraid of. Jesus gave us the demonstration of how to fight back against the devil. We see that at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Ghost. And then when he came out, the enemy met with him and tried to tempt him. Jesus didn't bring out his own words. Jesus didn't try to explain himself why he couldn't do the things that the devil was requesting him to do. All he said was, it is written, men shall not leave by bread alone. It is written, thou shalt serve the Lord thy God, and him alone shall you serve. And it's very important for us to understand how to fight back against the spiritual forces. One of the biggest crises among Christian circles is the slow decline of believers not engaging with the Bible as often as they should. According to the Pew Research Center, they did a survey with over 30,000 well-committed churchgoers from various denominations. They found that amongst that uh, pool of people that they were doing this survey on, 35% read their Bible at least once a week, 10% at least once or twice a month, 8 several times a year, and 45% never pick up the Bible or study it in their own personal time. There could be several reasons why people don't study the Bible, but I believe it comes down to two major factors. Number one, lack of consistent spiritual discipline. 
And number two, the flesh and the devil has them too preoccupied about other things. Romans 13 and verse 14, so Romans 13 verse 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the last thereof. 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us, Lest Satan should take an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Have you ever tried to decide that today? I'm going to read the Bible. Right? You made up your mind. I'm going to go read the Bible. So you pick up the Bible, you start reading. And for some weird reason, your vision enlightens. And then you begin to look around your house, wherever you're sitting, you're like, man, those cobwebs in that corner, they truly need to be cleaned up. And all of a sudden, now you're like, oh my goodness, that, that, that stain on that carpet, I need to get that sorted. And all of a sudden, you find yourself distracted. For some of us who have short attention deficit, that can be very, quite challenging. And so we find ourselves distracted, we start doing something else. Or if we're on our devices reading the Bible on an iPad or phone, notifications comes up. Somebody sent you something on Instagram or news notification comes up. We find ourselves distracted. Or have you ever gone to prayer and you decide, I'm going to go pray? And you kneel down wherever you go in your personal prayer closet. And then you begin to pray, you begin to worship God. And all of a sudden your mind, for some magical reason, decides that it's time to bring up this reminder of all the things that are important that need your attention right now and that you need to do them right away. Oh, by the way, we forgot to reply to Pastor's email, so we better get up and do that. We said we're going to do it first thing in the morning. Let's do that. Or it says, oh, don't forget, you got to do this. Don't forget, we got to go here. Don't forget about the groceries. Don't forget about the kids. And all these things. And so to us, we may think, oh, man, today I'm, quite, I'm remembering these things. And they may seem harmless, all these little distractions, but their tactics that the enemy does and he appeals to our flesh because our flesh is the only thing that we struggle with the most. The devil can't access your soul directly. And so through the flesh, he tries to infiltrate our soul. All these mundane things that may seem funny and harmless are all tactics that will slowly but surely leave us spiritually deficit leaving us inconsistent in our spiritual disciplines. The Bible says that the serpent was subtle. The devil is so cunning and very subtle. He doesn't come at you warring on, waging on, swinging his sword. No. Little here, little there. And slowly you start picking up all these inconsistent spiritual disciplines. And then all of a sudden it becomes a habit. And you finally decided in your mind somehow that, oh, it's just the way I am. I'm always tired every in the, in the morning. That's not true. The reason why the enemy and the flesh resist spiritual discipline, number one, is that the flesh doesn't want to be transformed. Your flesh, the Bible says that it's enmity against God. It rejects everything spiritual, everything to do with God. And it will not conform to the word of God. And you are the only person that can bring your flesh under subjection. Only you have the strength to bring your flesh under subjection to the law of God. And the enemy knows that if you are transformed, and that if you bring your flesh under subjection and God begins to change your life, and you begin to, per to participate in the things that God would have you to do in order to be spiritually fit, then you'll have a hard time fighting against you. He attacks our homes. He attacks our personal lives with all sorts of tactics. 
And that's why it's important that we monitor what we allow our eyes to entertain. We monitor what enters our homes, what content we expose ourselves to, what voices we allow to speak into our lives, and the list goes on. If we're not spiritually fit to discern his attacks, then we got some work to do. And as long as you're inconsistent in your spiritual discipline, the enemy is winning the battle. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, which means to be, doesn't mean you pray 24-7, but it's talking about to be consistent in your prayers. Be consistent, keep at it. And so if the word is our offensive weapon, and if we hardly pick up the word, if we hardly spend time to study the word, how then are you going to fight that? What scriptures are you going to pull out in that moment where the devil is tempting you? Where the devil is speaking all manner of thoughts and ideas into your mind? I'll call pastor. And, yes, and so you should call up pastor. But pastor's not always going to be there. Pastor may be unreachable sometimes. But the Bible says that you have a reasonable responsibility. Reasonable service means that it is your responsibility to maintain and keep the body of God or the temple of God, fit. In the military, the soldiers are put through vigorous random drills at old times of the day. So they could be going about doing their daily duties and then out of nowhere the siren goes off and then they're put through all these vigorous drills at random times. Day in, day out. Week in, week out, month, year after year, soldiers are put through all these drills. For what purpose? There is no war going on. I mean, for example, let's say Australia. We haven't had war since World War II. We haven't had a war in our front, uh, on our front uh, doorsteps for a very long time. But in every nation, all these soldiers are put through all these vigorous random drills. For what reason? So that the soldiers will be ready at any moment's notice. They are trained so that it becomes a natural response in them, regardless where the enemy is attacking from, if and when this real fight occurs. You see, the size of your shield, which is your protective weapon, protective armor, and the sharpness of, your, of the sword, which is your offensive weapon, are equally proportional, meaning they're equally proportional tied to the word of God. You see, the more the word is in you, the more you're transformed. It's not about just reading the Bible every day and just memorizing, memorizing a couple of scriptures here and there. Scripture is only effective if we allow it to transform us. If we only read the Bible for the sake of reading and just taking off the boxes, then we've just read. But the Bible says that Jesus is about my word is life. It gives life to your spiritual men. And then we have to allow it to transform. That's why the Bible says meditate on the word of God. Even if it's just one verse a day and you meditate and you allow that to speak to you and marinate in your soul, you're succeeding in your spiritual discipline. It's not about reading Genesis to Revelation, how fast and how many or how big. It's all it's about the quality and not the content. It's about the quality of your spiritual discipline. 
the Bible says that faith comes by the hearing by the word of God. And so, if we don't hear the word of God, if we don't spend time in the word of God, if we don't allow the word of God to transform us, then our faith weakens. And in order for us to build up our faith, we have to be in the word of God. And so if we are in the word of God, our soul grows sharper and our shield grows bigger and stronger. If we are not in the word of God, our weapons become dull. It's no longer sharp and our shield is no longer as strong as it should be. Now, if there is a crack in your armor and you are falling over one weakness again and again, please listen to what the Spirit is saying to you. Your soul is more precious than your pride. And your soul is more precious, more valuable than the fears that the enemy would have you to believe if you seek for help. It's not a, when you're struggling, when you're going through something and you know that this weakness I cannot overcome on my own, you have to seek help. Seeking for help does not mean you're hopeless and that you're not strong enough as a Christian. But it's about recognizing your limitation and making more room for God to step in. Paul said that in my weakness, God's strength is made perfect. So please, if you are struggling, talk to your pastors. They may not have all the answers, but they will prayerfully guide you in the right direction. Your soul is more valuable. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. It's an everyday thing. Sometimes when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're thinking of the extreme of spiritual thing where angels are flying back and forth swinging swords. But every day, in your everyday walk, the little things that you do, your spiritual disciplines, all these things, they're vital and they're important for your spiritual health and fitness. There is nothing more the enemy would like to have you than in the state of isolation. Some of us, we come into this church building week in, week out, and we are isolated and alone. And we refuse to seek help because the enemy have us to believe, what are they going to think of me? What's Buster going to think of me? And he has got us thinking of all these things in our minds. And there we're spiritually dying. We're dying. We're struggling. But God is telling you, your soul is more important than your pride. Your soul is more important than the fears the enemy would have you to believe. You need to make it. You must make it. Because the blood that God spilled upon the cross was not for nothing. It was so that you could make it. So that you could have victory. And you can have victory. The Bible said that you walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is a promise that God made to you. That it is possible to live victorious. It is possible. But it's not going to happen magically. It takes work. It takes work. And war is an ugly thing. It's not a beautiful thing. And there is a war right now happening for your soul. And the enemy is going to do everything he can in his power to drag you down with him. 
And so you may look at these little things that, little habits that I have, little things that I can't get over, little weaknesses. No, they're not. They're tactics from the enemy. It's not about spiritual beings flying around swinging swords. It's your everyday things that you go through. Things that the enemy will bring. The Bible says he is subtle. And if we are not spiritually fit to discern his tactics, he has us where he wants us. If you would stand with me this morning. Ephesians 10. Paul tells the church that there is so much fighting going on amongst you guys. And he spills up and he addresses all these issues. At the end of the day, he reminds them that this fight is not amongst you. It's not about your brother. It's not about what that person did at the at work or the way they treated you, the person on the street, what's going around in the world politically. And we are forced to take sides for whatever biases that we may have or sympathies that we may have to those things or how well we empathize to these things. If the enemy can have your heart and your mind distorted and perverted, he is winning. If we get caught up and not being in front of our spiritual disciplines, he is winning. Thing, little things that we do us, we may think, oh, it's just it's harmless. But we have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant. Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. that You may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. Then Peter goes on to tell us in chapter 5 verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil as a rolling lion seeketh the bow whom he may devour. And know this. Your church, this body, this unit is for a reason. It's there to help you. Just as it's like in the wild, the predators will try to isolate the herd, isolate the weak, those that are struggling. While they're on their own, he has them where they want and he can devour them. Don't ever allow your flesh or the enemy tell you that they won't understand, they won't get what it's like, what I'm going through. They're going to change the way they think about you. That is not true. Because there is love in this place that you will not find anywhere else in this world. It's not the love of you and I, but it is the love of God in us and through us that to be shown one to another. Why don't we just pray and lift up our hands to the Lord. Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, this morning. Mighty God, you desire that every single one of us, Lord, would make it. And I pray in this place, O oh God, that you would, Lord, give us a discerning spirit, Lord. God, that you would strengthen us where we are weak, Lord, that we may walk with you, Lord Jesus. God, that we may be spiritually alert of the attacks that are set against us, Almighty God. Because, Lord, you have given us everything that we need to make it. You have given us every weapon that we need, oh God, to stand and to fight back against the walls of the enemy. And I pray this morning, almighty God, 
Lord, that there be an anointing upon your people, that there would be a blessing, God, and a strengthening, Lord. God, to seek you, Lord, to walk with you, to push through the heartache, oh God. Knowing that, Lord, you are with us always, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. That regardless of the valley that we walk through, regardless of the battle that we find ourselves in, Lord, you are with us always. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us, Lord God. And that your body that you've placed us in, Lord Jesus, is there for us and not against us. God, nothing, Lord, in this place could ever separate us from your love. But we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We pray, mighty God, that you would transform us. God, that you would change us, Lord, to be the people that you have called us to be. That we may be strong. That we may be able to stand in this evil times. We give you all the glory this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah.